So you're back for more, huh? Couldn't stay away from the eternal of hot takes. How's it going, guys? It's SD Sharpie here. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me on uh, Twitter at SD underscore Sharpie. You can also find uh, the, the main channel at CMD Tower uh, on Twitter. Uh, and you can also find me in the CMD Tower Discord. Hey, guys, Marketing Ross here. You can also find me at any time in the CMD dis- t- <laughs> Tower Discord, excuse me, and also on Twitter at uh, Vizardrix Vibes. And I am Bosch and Roll. You can find me on Twitter and YouTube at Bosch and Roll. And I am also technically in the CMD Tower <laughs> discord but tag me if you want me because i mute so every today channel we're going to discuss a little bit of legacy edh as per usual for the the hot takes today's topic is going to be over removal so bosh what are some popular removal spells in legacy and why do they see play legacy has almost as large a command or a uh, card pool as commander does commanders technically a couple cards larger i believe it or not but we see different incentives to play different cards in the formats. In Legacy, efficiency is worth more than basically everything else. Mana efficiency. And the fewer conditions you can get on the removal, for the lower mana cost, the better. So a card like Fatal Push is played in a lot of black decks because it costs one, even though it is slightly conditional. In the context of Legacy, most creatures cost two or less anyway for a Fatal Push. And with fetch lands around, you can get revolt easily to destroy three and four drops. And then it's really special cards like Merktide Regent that can dodge Fatal Push completely. But you still see Fatal Push getting played over something like Doomblade or Go for the Throat or Cast Down because that one mana is worth the two two drop, four drop condition. We also get the best (laughs) removal spell ever printed, Swords of Plowshares. One white, that creature is gone. And you wouldn't put it in a burn deck where life total is super important. It's in control decks where life total is irrelevant. We'll reach a point of the game where the control deck has taken over and we'll beat you from 30 the same way we would beat you from one. And it doesn't matter. So point and click, get rid of it. Zero conditions on that one. And then there is modality is another thing we look for. And that's where you get lightning bolt. Uh, It doesn't kill creatures with four toughness, but it does kill planeswalkers and it kills players. And that's the type of thing we're looking for. Swords of Plowshares, Lightning Bolt, Fatal Push. Boom. That's the efficiency we want in a legacy deck. Yeah. And Bosch, you mentioned not wanting to go like super conditional with your removal, but I'm also wondering as far as the trade off that you get in in legacy so the type of removal that gives them something in return i'm guessing you steer clear from any of that sort of thing whether it's a a basic land or a a 3-3 beast or anything like that yeah the cards that give a 3-3 like beast within's just not even in the conversation three mana in legacy gets you show and tell it it gets you uh narset parter of veils it gets you teferi time raveler monastery mentor three mana to respond to that thing Three mana wins the game in Legacy, but there's cheaper versions like Pongify. That's one mana, destroy a creature pretty unconditionally, but they get a 3-3. And that's usually not a good deal because unless you're killing like Grizzlebrand, most creatures are 3-3 or smaller anyway. They have enters the battlefield abilities that have already triggered or generated value in some way. And you're probably just upgrading like a Bale for Strix or Snapcaster Mage into a 3-3 for them after it's already paid out. 
Path to Exile is closer to the line, giving them the basic land for unconditional removal, but Prismatic Ending kind of killed Path to Exile in the format. Most control decks are three colors anyway. Some of them are all the way into four, just fully four color, and removing creatures on curve. One white for Prismatic Ending kills a one drop, two mana kills a two drop, and then Prismatic Ending also, modality again, hits that Chalice of the Void, hits that Narset, hits the Minsk and Boo, whatever it is, hits that Jace the Mind Sculptor. We occasionally saw Path to Exile in white sideboards for creature-heavy decks, like against Delver. Removing their turn one Delver is worth giving them a basic land if they even play one, which is another maybe in Legacy. A lot of decks don't even have basic lands, but Prismatic Ending killed that one. That is one of the best printings in in 10 years for Legacy. So would you consider like bounce spells as removal spells, things like Petty Theft or Snap? Do those also fall under removal in Legacy? Not really. Uh, It depends on what you're trying to do. If you are a storm deck that's trying to remove deafening silence from play and then just win, then you see cards like Chain of Vapor in the mix. If you're a deck like Delver of Secrets that your opponent is scraping to stabilize from your early pressure, you have multiple one mana, three power flying creatures you can play. It's backed up by Murktide Regent that can be in play as soon as turn two. It's just a barrage of flying things. Bouncing a Baleful Strix, uh, Death Touch creature, with Petty Theft might represent 6 to 12 damage, and that's worth doing. But you don't really see control decks that, if if your opponent's going to have time to just replay the thing you bounced, then bounce isn't really what you're looking for. (laughs) Unless it's Teferi Time Raveler, which comes with all sorts of other upside. The bounce draws a card, then they have to deal with your Planeswalker, and etc. So, Ross, um, as a budget player on the more casual side of EDH, do you think some of these legacy staple removal spells have legs in EDH? Things like your lightning bolt and your prismatic endings. You know, lightning bolt is far more useful than people give it credit for in commander. There are a lot of things that die to three damage and we might get into this later, but if you can copy the three damage and do six, that's even, even more value. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't shove aside lightning bolt just because, you know, the things, the big scaries in commander tend to be like the blight steel Colossus and the, the things like that, that aren't going to die to lightning bolt. But I would also say it's useful enough against planeswalkers against low health opponents that I would run it. I don't know. You know, if you start getting into three, four five, maybe colors, you might run prismatic ending. Personally, I don't know if I would run it over like a path to exile or something like that. But as far as the budget's concerned that you that you raise, for me, whenever I see a reprinting of, of Pongify in Double Masters or something like that, that that's just great value for players that are just now getting into the game. Because for a while, Pongify was, I don't know, getting close to ten dollars, and that's that's just not worth it when you could use <laughs> a you know run away together and just yeah. remove two two creatures off the board. Something like that. <laughs> and I, I know you're laughing because Runaway Together is probably one of the most budget references I could have made just now. But <laughs> A deep cut. I respect it. <laughs> the the one specifically that I wanted to bring up uh, to get Bosch's opinion on, and this is, this is both budget removal and probably what you would qualify as maybe not good removal, but I find it to be a very fun card. 
came out in uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate, and that's Contraband Livestock. And it's only 15 cents, but it's one colorless and a white for an instant. And you exile target creature, then roll a d20. If you get 1 through 9, its controller makes a 4-4 green ox. 10 through 19, they get a 2-2 green boar instead. And if you hit a nat 20, they get a 0-1 white goat. And is that target creature or target permanent? Target Target creature. Okay. Yeah, that's a sweet Pongify variant. It's in... That was a white card, you said? Uh, yeah, it's in white, which is a color that doesn't really get Pongifies. There's Generous Gift, which is the white beast within. And that's a cheaper version of Beast Within uh, or a cheaper version of Generous Gift. So that's pretty cool. I would not imagine to ever see that card in Legacy. Uh, we talked about how a 3-3 <laughs> is bigger than most creatures and you're just slightly worse than 50-50 to give them a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> four twice as much mana. Yeah, that one's not going to make the cut in the Legacy card pool for sure. I'm guessing legacy players don't run things just so they can do cute uh, D20 rolls during the game. Generally not. It depends. Uh, My channel, I'm brewing up weird decks. I'm playing off meta stuff. Uh, The legacy card pool allows for it. So do you want to play legacy? Do you want to show up to FNM, have a good time and maybe go 2-2 and that's a good use of your night? Or are you trying to win (laughs) a legacy regional Star City event? Because it's not going to cut it there in the field of is it Delver and Storm Combo and all the really busted stuff. Uh, it's not going to keep up with expressive iteration, mostly is. If your card can't keep up with expressive iteration, it's not viable in a tournament level. But there's a lot of cool stuff you can do in Legacy and stay competitive at a local, I'm not trying to spike a Grand Prix kind of level. Yeah, and not to get too far off of uh, straight removal, but and and this may be a preference question for you, but in your builds, do you prefer to run removal or counter magic to eliminate the problem before it hits the field? In Legacy, you kind of do both. And one of the, the secret hacks I tell people to playing control decks in Legacy is uh, when someone says, how do you sideboard with this deck? The first thing I say is, are you playing against a Swords to Plowshares matchup or a Force of Will matchup? Is your opponent going to do anything that's worth two of your cards? Because Force of Will, you lose a life, you exile a card, and you spend the Force of Will. So that's two cards. Anything they do, is it worth two of yours? Like, I'm not going to Force of Will a Delver of Secrets. I have four Plows, four Prismatic Endings. I probably boarded in a Supreme Verdict. I have Teferi that can bounce it. <laughs> I got a plan for, for a creature. I'm not going to spend two cards on that. So sideboard out your Force of Wills and bring in more removal play to the board. Storm Combo or show and tell or reanimator. Uh, they either don't have creatures at all, or once the creatures in play, it's too late to do something about it. Then I'm probably boarding out my prismatic endings and bring in more counter magic or graveyard hate or some specific thing for that matchup. So main deck, you need a little bit of both because you don't know what you're going to play against. And Merktide region might be worth two cards with a force of will in game one, but game two, another card that I didn't mention earlier, pyroblast. Holy guacamole pyroblast one mana counterspell or vindicate as long as the thing is blue. That card is seen in two, three, four, sometimes up to seven copies in legacy decks, depending on what you're doing. And it's in every sideboard control deck splash for it. Get your force wheels out of your deck, put your pyroblast in. It's a counterspell and a removal spell. And <laughs> and that's the kind of power level. We're Hashtag thanks Merck, Merck Todd. Uh, well, any, anything else on that subject? 
<laughs> yeah, Merktide. Uh, I just want to add on the subject we talked that was we mostly talked about spot removal for creatures as far as removing other permanents that modality of a prismatic ending or a pyroblast that can take out a planeswalker prismatic ending kind of killed chalice of the void decks in legacy in red prison is still out there as a, a tier one deck but trinisphere chalice of the void uh Hitting needles, uh, anything like that, prismatic ending just picks off is just a huge deal. And sweepers, we generally, you see a scale, a sliding scale of sometimes you see a card like end the festivities, which just deals one to everything you don't control. And that can be harmful against a deck like elves or an unflipped delver or pick off a Teferi that minus down to one loyalty. Uh, you see that. And then you can get up into pyroclasm if you need to kill bigger things. And then Toxic Deluge, if you have a medium-sized thing. And then Supreme Verdict is about the biggest sweeper you're going to see in Legacy. Where in Commander, I would not spend a card in my 99 on End the Festivities. That's probably going to be low impact a lot of the time. Toxic Deluge, Commander Staple. Supreme Verdict, Commander Staple. Where Legacy tops out at Supreme Verdict, (laughs) that's kind of the bottom of my removal curve at a, a lower power table. I'm looking for that modality and efficiency is less important than modality. Like I'm looking at austere command or fracturing gust or farewell or, or a repeatable effect like aura shards grave pact. Uh, That's the sort of thing that I want when I have three opponents instead of one. Absolutely. And, you know, just really quick touching on one of those cards that you mentioned that you wouldn't run and, and the festivities, I can tell you one commander that would enjoy that. And that's, Kazarov Sengir Pureblood, which <laughs> Sharpie, you can laugh about the budget builds again here, but uh, he's a, a 4-4 flyer that hardly anybody runs. But whenever a creature, is, an opponent control is dealt damage, you put a 1-1 counter on him. So there's like, when you're getting into those fringe budget uh, builds, you might find a use for it. But overall, I think you're you're probably right. You're, you're more likely to see the Toxic Deluges and the Psych Rifts and things like that. Yeah, synergy, when there is synergy, uh, cards become more appealing. Just in the raw, get these permanents out of play level, we're probably looking at a 5, 6, or 7 mana effect when I am become really excited about it. Crux of Fate is a favorite of mine. <laughs> get enough dragons in your deck that it becomes one-sided. Uh, I forget the name of it, but there's a 7 or 8 mana one where you name a creature type and it kills everything else. Uh, that one is pretty messed up. I've never <laughs> seen anyone lose when they cast that. <laughs> yeah, there's some crazy stuff in the commander card pool right. when you don't need it to cost one mana. So before we move on to our next segment, just wanted to remind everyone, if you would like to support us via Patreon community, you can do that at patreon.com slash cmdtower. There are different tiers to use depending on how much you like us. Getting you soft value like entrance to our Discord where you can find Ross and I all the way up to sweet swag, like full playmats and sleeves. So our next segment is called Counter Meta, where we discuss a meta deck in Legacy and in EDH and how the best way is to approach them. So I think today's topic is Spellslinger. So Bosch, give us a little rundown of what Legacy Spellslinger decks look like and how they win and what we can do to beat them. In Legacy, these are pushed to the max. Spellslinger is a 
polite way to talk about the lower level of this. The higher level, when we're in a legacy or vintage tournament or in a CEDH meta, we're talking about storm combo or breach combo. Uh, that's kind of how that manifests itself. In Legacy, there's a deck called Oops All Spells that plays zero lands and uses cards like Balustrade Spy and Undercity Informer to mill your whole deck, including three Narc Amoebas, Dread Return, and Thassa's Oracle. And you just maximize to do that on turn one. It just takes four mana and one of those cards, and you win the game. <laughs> and you mulligan to four to make it happen. Uh, the deck plays Pact of Negation to shove it through. If it can get up to five mana, you get Thoughtseize. There's some serious BS that goes on in the Legacy card pool when you're not restricted to one copy of your most busted cards. And the way to stop these decks in Legacy is not through counter spells, which is the go-to th go thought of my opponent wants to cast spells. I will counter them. Counter spell, right? Wrong. These decks are built to shove through counter spells. These decks want nothing more than for you to sit and build up your perfect hand because they're doing the same thing and they're better at it than you. What you need to do is cut them off at the resource level, which is pyroblasting their brainstorms and ponders, like flusterstorm their setup spell rather than their payoff spell. Fight them early before their hand gets good. And one of the best ways to do this is cards like Deafening Silence, Ethersworn Canonist, Archon of Amiria, uh, your stacks pieces, basically. If they can't ponder into Brainstorm into another ponder and set up the perfect next turn, if they have to do one per turn, that slows them down a lot. That also hits their mana, because their mana is spells. It's Lotus Petal, Chrome Mox, Lion's Eye Diamond, Mox Opal, etc. If they have to choose between casting Ponder to fix their hand or putting Mox Opal into play to have more mana later, it really squeezes them. And again, their mana base full of artifacts, Null Rod, Stony Silence, Collector Oof. These are the kinds of things that really squeeze a Storm player because you're not going to beat them once they start going for it. They know at that point that they're ready to go and they're going to shove through whatever you've got. They've done the math. you got to stop them before they get there. I think there. some of my favorite videos of yours were the ones where you were playing the, the combo deck that was slightly faster or, or the ones where you were able to stick the deafening silence and they just kind of scooped next turn. Yeah, uh, sometimes that does happen. The The combo player, at least in 60-card three-game formats where sideboards are involved, they have to predict how you're going to fight them and bring in what they think they're going to need to counter your counter. Because their deck is synergy-based. They can't board out seven ritual effects to bring in seven sideboard cards. They got to pick their three or four that they think are going to matter. And sometimes they're wrong. If they're ready to punch through Flusterstorm, they brought in a bunch of Vela Summers and you go turn one Chalice of the Void on zero <laughs> and one off of an Ancient Tomb or a, a your own Fastman of some kind, then they can't cast spells anymore. And you get the concession. Sometimes you put in Leyline of Sanctity on turn zero. <laughs> and whoops, that's not what I was ready to fight. Concede. But... Uh, it's not always that easy. Sometimes you usually do have to fight through some discard spells, some bounce spells like that chain of vapor on the deafening silence. You need to protect your chain of vapor once it's in or protect your silence once it's in play. And you also have to pressure because they will find a way out. You can't deafening silence on turn one, like keep basic planes, deafening silence and five irrelevant cards in your hand. That's a bad hand. You need like deafening silence and some plan to start dealing damage to your opponent. So, Ross, 
What? So how does that translate yeah. down to lower level powers? I'm Were throwing you, uh, that over to you. Yeah. You yeah queuing, queuing Ross for the low power. Got it. Yep. Get in there. <laughs> so one one thing that you said that was uh, pretty ca- counterintuitive for me, and it's probably my low power mindset, was to not counterspell the person that's trying to storm off. I, th- I think that would be my initial inclination. And I feel like if you're trying to storm in commander, especially at a lower power level, you do have three other people that are ready to counter you. So you have to fight three times as many uh, oppositions there, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it might be a, a tougher order to, to storm, first of all, in commander, but to counter off in general, usually somebody has an answer. Now, the flip side of that is in most low power games, people usually aren't packing enough removal or counter magic. So you might get away with it anyway, which to me, that's a, that's a feels bad if you're if you're getting away with things at a low power table. But the other thing that I found interesting in what you said was creating opposition for the rituals or the things of that nature. So in commander, there's this mindset of, you know, don't don't counter the tutor, counter what they tutored and that sort of thing. So like, don't, you know, stop them at the setup, stop the payoff. And I think that's directly inverse with what you were just saying. Yeah. And that is a debate in, in vintage and legacy as well. Like your opponent goes all the way in on an infernal tutor, which only works if you're hellbent. you know, it's unprotected. You could counter this now, or you could push a little harder and clip the ad nauseum out of their deck once they search for it. But what if they search for past in flames instead, which you have to counter twice because that card has flashback and they can just put it on the stack. You counter it, they flash it back and then just win anyway. Or what if they just have like galvanic relay where that is itself a storm spell. And instead of trying to push the ad nauseum through now, they just store up nine cards for next turn off a Gal- galvanic relay or Ave progenitor ooze is even a card that sees some play surprise. Here's uh, whatever the factorial exponential power is of the number of oozes I just generated. You can counter the biggest one, but a lot of these decks are built to beat you with the tutored card. Or if it's like, not something as obvious as Infernal Tutor. If it's like a Demonic Tutor where there's th- still three cards in hand, maybe they're tutoring for the defense grid and put that down, and now your counter spells are dead anyway. Uh, it's really tough to balance that. And one of the, the biggest tests in Legacy of uh, your ability to read a table is your opponent, it, you have Spell Pierce or Flusterstorm, some one-mana counter spell, and your opponent goes, land Dark Ritual. Do you counter the Dark Ritual? Or do you counter what they ritual into? Because that dark ritual might be Thoughtseize, clear your Flusterstorm, him to Taraku, and they get all your cards. Or it could be dark ritual into another dark ritual, into another dark ritual, into Ad Nauseum, which is the perfect thing to spell Pierce. <laughs> and good luck. It, that's just one of those tests uh, in a situation. But in Commander, where you only get one copy of each card, it can be a little easier to predict what the possible outcome could be. And the three player thing is a big deal. So I feel like we've kind of talked about the high end of the the spectrum for. One thing that I want to talk about a little bit is. uh, (laughs) uh, We got a little bit of delay here. Yeah. I was going to move into the, the more medium spectrum to 
I Chun Li is a deck that I built for medium power tables. Medium, <laughs> maybe high, depending on your 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 scale. It's always hard to tell, but low for me. And that's a spell slinger deck. And it's not a storm deck. It's just a deck that at some point Chun Li would like to cast a bunch of spells and then do it again and then do it again. And finding the choke point on a deck like that uh, is the commander, the the engine, or are the setup pieces the engine? We were talking before we went live about that bird who poops out spirits. Kaikar, I think, is the name. Uh, that's a pretty scary one at medium power tables. It's a joke at CEDH tables. So what you're ready to answer, um, like is Swords the Plowshare is a good answer to the Spellslinger deck because the engine is self-contained in a single creature? Or do you need to be like using Aura Shards to pick off that Sapphire Medallion and uh, all those other cost reducers along the way? I'm going <laughs> to throw it down to the other end. I'm going to stop talking for a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think on the uh, the the medallions specifically that you mentioned, those probably don't show up at the the lower end quite as much. And it's just purely from the price tag, right? Those they're harder to get. Um, so therefore, they're harder to play at lower end tables. And it would be great if Wizards would put them in a precon now and then. But I, I don't I don't see that happening anytime soon. But as as far as like Kaikar and, and things like that, I think at a lower end, especially anytime that you get like just incremental value off the thing that you're already wanting to do, it's, it's what, I mean, I think they call it casual catnip, right? Is just, you want to do these big splashy things anyway. And with a, a card like Kai car, he's enabling all of that sort of thing. So you want to cantrip and then you get your spirit that you can sack to do the other thing. And as you move up that chain into Chun-Li or what's Narset or, or things like that. The, the setup takes the place of the, the commander, like you were talking about. So whether you want to, you know, intentionally dump things in your graveyard to, to use later if in a Savine type of deck, which I just dipped back (laughs) into, into low, but low power, but you know, I, I, I'll, I'll pass it to Sharpie at this time, but I, I think that any, commander that you pick you could you could dip into a low power if that's the the thing that you want to do with that deck you know right uh agree with that completely what i was trying to say earlier when it comes to uh edh versus legacy it seems that for the majority part legacy is at the very top of the spectrum where you're you're very based in combos and storm whereas in edh i mean you have decks and commanders of all forms in the spectrum. I mean, you have stuff that's low powered stuff like Savine all the way up to your storm commanders like Yidris and Kess. So I think when it comes to EDH, you have a much broader spectrum. You have a much bigger pull as to how you want to build your deck. Kind of like Bosch mentioned with Chun-Li it's, you know, it's spell slinger based. You want to cast a lot of spells with your commander. Then you have things like, Tall Ran and Kaikar, where you can kind of go of a more go wide strategy with tokens. Yeah, and we talked about Storm and Commander, and I think it the pool is widening, but for the most part, I think when 
Commander players think Storm, they probably think of like a Joyra, where you're dropping Cheerios and then using that to to find the piece you need or the you know creating value off of that that you need. Yeah, I and like you said, getting paid out for something you want to do anyway is is really just good deck building. If you're all in on your commander, uh, like a deck like uh, Winota, which is not a Spellslinger deck, but that's like a set up and then get paid at, on the commander turn kind of situation. A single instant speed removal spell, just that beast within. And now you're another two mana away from redeploying Winota. And we're not worried about you for two turns. And it, it kind of creates this like ebb and flow in the game of when it becomes... When it's about to be Winota time again, we can the other three of us can have a talk of like who's got it this time. Like I got the Bongify. Okay, cool. And then we'll talk again before turn eight. And <laughs> like that it leads to crazy early turns when your commander just pops. Uh, but then there and, and I would put Chun Li more kind of like that. She takes mana to sink into, she's not as busted as Winota, but uh a Kaikar or a Tall Rand, where that's not really the problem. Uh, we're just gaining value as we go. That I think that's just responsible deck building, uh, and it lets you have more of an "I'm not the threat" kind of posture. Like I'm just casting spells; they're just little one ones. Uh, so you get that going too, where nobody's going to let you uh, crack with that Winota more than once. If at all. All right. But before we move on to our last segment, uh, wanted to tell you guys about our sponsor, Abyss, Abyss Proxy Shop. You guys can use code CMD Tower to get a discount. Uh, you can find a ton of sweet proxy cards or play tests, if that's what you want to call them. And you can even create whole decks, kind of like Mr. Combo's Game of Thrones deck and his Najilo Wandering Across Japan deck. So, anyways. To our, our last segment, the, the whole reason everyone's here, we have the Council of the Unban, and today we're going to be talking about what I would consider probably one of the more um, unjustified bans on the list. We have Lutri, the Spell Chaser. So for three mana, uh, is it hybrid, is it hybrid, and one, you get a legendary creature, Elemental Otter. It has Companion. Each non-land card in your starting deck has a different name. It has Flash, and when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, copy target instant or sorcery spell you control, you may choose new targets for this copy, and it's a 3-2. So the main reason I wanted to talk about this card today was the fact that it, it received a ban so quickly. We're going to probably argue in a minute about how powerful we each think it is. I personally think it's probably powerful and probably deserves a ban to some degree. But the main main reason I want it unbanned is just for the fact that from day one of it being spoiled, it was thrown on the list and we never really got to play with it to even see how powerful it could be. Uh, Ross, what do you think about the, the otter? <laughs> so this is probably a bit of a running joke in, in our playgroup and in our Discord that... I was one of the most upset people about this build. Not even because I wanted to build any sort of combo deck or storm deck or anything like that with it. I just wanted this electric <laughs> otter to be my commander and then have some some is it fun. I mean, we're going to I'm going to start with a few points. The first one just being look at this guy. I mean, he's he's super cute. He's got a lightning mohawk. 
he's carrying a little lightning ball like a otter would crack a seashell. I don't know why you'd ban this poor guy right away. But the the other points on a on a more realistic factor, and I'll I'll, du- I'll dip into my Mister Combo brain a little bit into some of the the wild comparisons he likes to make. You have Fork out there, uh, which is a mana cheaper and essentially does the same thing. Copy, target, instant, or sorcery spell, except the copy's red. You may choose new targets for that copy. So you're essentially already doing the the, the thing that you would want to do with this otter, um, but you're not restricted to is it. So you can use it in any red plus commander build. The, the other factor that I wanted to mention is if he's your commander, yes, he has flash, but so do most copy abilities and if he's your command companion they've completely changed that rule so you're gonna have to basically give away all of your secrets when you move him from the companion zone into your hand with three mana showing everybody that you're about to set up something that you'd like to copy whether it's this turn or the next turn so you're kind of you know telebroadcasting what your plan is if if the otter is your companion and you know, granted, his companion restriction is not a factor in Commander because we can't have multiple copies of the same card anyway. So maybe that was part of what they took into consideration. But all of that aside, I'm just going to, you know, throw it out there that we should <laughs> hashtag free the electric right. otter. Uh, I think one of the reasons... <laughs> is it my turn second. to talk about I th- the otter? I think one of the reasons they stated... That they, uh, they no, stated that started. they banned the otter was the fact that his companion is the, there's no build around like like you said that that's a commander deck. They also said that any deck that's red and and blue is it's always going to be the one hundred and one card in the deck. And I can definitely see it being problematic because he can kind of just go infinite on his own with certain things like twin flame and stuff like that i mean basically he's a dual caster mage in the command zone but i I gotta agree with with you ross on uh, all your statements so with that said uh i'm gonna hand it over to Bosch and see what he has to say on the matter uh i will agree on everything that was said about the power level of this card this card is not broken there's fork there's dual caster mage there's twin cast there's a million ways to do what this card is doing this card is actually worse in many ways than dual caster mage. It is uh, two colors, so you can't put it in any red deck. It has to be a blue red deck. It can only target your own spells, so you can't yoink something an opponent's doing. Blue tree only gets the copy if you cast it when it enters the battlefield. Dual caster mage, you can flicker, you can blink, you can get all sorts of crazy stuff going. This card is worse than dual caster mage in almost every conceivable way, except the way that was just brought up. This card is not banned because of power level. It's banned because it just pops for free into the zone, the outside of the game zone in every single deck that contains blue or red. There is nothing you need to do. It even says non-land cards on it. It's not like you have to get creative about your basic lands distribution. There is nothing. It is literally just it. it and it's not like a partner commander that counts as your hundred. It's 101, just a free thing that everybody who is in blue, red X gets uh, five color decks, get it, whatever. Every, every wedge that contains is it. And if every, is it deck, it just gives everyone with blue and red mana or blue and red color identity, a free card 
at the cost of nothing. This card could be a 11 mana 01, and it would still be a problem if you could get it for free. That's the problem with this card. <laughs> it has nothing to do with power level, and I'm going to stay team banned because it just doesn't make sense that I've chosen to put you know, Steam Vents in my deck, or is it Guildgate or whatever po- budget level we're playing at? So I get this thing completely free, completely gratis, <laughs> comped by the house. Uh, that's just not in the spirit of the restrictions of the format. It's not in the spirit of anything. Just here's this free thing for the people who chose to play blue red. So would would you change your so mind? We we talk about this in a in a different way where we we talk Go about. Go ahead, Russ. <laughs> Go ahead, Sharp. Okay, I'm going to talk, and if you come in, I'm just going to keep talking. So we talk about the ban list sometimes about like splitting out banned for commander versus just banned in general. Would would it matter to you if we said that Lutri could be your commander but not your companion? Because I I do see your argument there and I agree with it that you know just giving any is it plus deck a free 101st card is is not within the spirit of the format, but from a command uh, companion restriction standpoint, you would also have Yorion, who should be banned, because Yorion says that you your deck has to have twenty more cards than the starting total, and in commander you just can't do that. <clears throat> so Yorion is soft banned as a companion because you you're literally not allowed to play uh, one hundred ninety cards. You can play it as your commander; it's still a legend. You can put it in your ninety nine, and all those places are fine for it. And I'm totally on board. If the RC decreed Lutri can't be your companion, but it can be your commander or a card in your deck, fine. It's worse than Dual Cancer Mage. We had that conversation in every single way. And yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, I was I was playing Commander 15, is it that long? Yeah, 15-ish years ago when there were was a banned as commander list and a banned in the format list. I believe they have done away with that and cards are just banned. And they did made that decision for a reason, but there is historical precedent of like, Rafelos can't be your commander, but can be in your 99. And I think Luchery would be totally fine as can't be a companion, but put it anywhere else you like. That was the, the point I was going to try and make. So, well, if there's nothing else, not banned for any power reason. And if they work it around, then we're good. Thanks for getting sweaty with us. Remember, if you're looking for more fire content, check out the rest of what CMD tower puts out. SD sharp here again. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me in the CMD tower discord or at Twitter under SD underscore Sharpie. Yeah. And, uh, I, I had auto locked my vote for this, this thing as unban, but, had not really considered it as the free 101st card. And so I, I think I would have to change my vote to conditional unbanned if they said no, not companion, but the Electric Otter can lead your deck or be in the 99, then I'm good with it. This is Marketing Ross signing off. You can find me on the Discord or on Twitter at Vizardrix Vibes. And I am Bosch and Roll, officially locking in my vote of conditional unbanned. Add it freeware except companion, but if we're not going to do that, keep it banned. And you can find me, Bosch and Roll, primarily on YouTube and Twitter, but uh, everywhere else, <laughs> anywhere that I am, it's going to be under Bosch and Roll. Remember, cold takes are temporary, hot takes last for eternity. <laughs>